You're listening to Gonzo Gaming, I'm Alex Shaw. This week, I plan to do another movie review show, however, one of my guests' internet is down, and rather than soldier on without him and deliver you an inferior show, I've decided to hold off for a week and do the next two back-to-back so you get twice as many next week. In the meantime, I'm going to play you something very special. Some of you may have heard it already, but I know it's only a fraction of the listenership of this show, so in the interest of reaching as many ears as possible, this is the trial-run segment of an audio play I'm currently putting together. It's an adaptation of the Philip Pullman book, Northern Lights. After hearing that there would be no sequel to The Golden Compass, a movie that already managed to disappoint many fans of the books and newcomers alike with its attractive but bloodless take on these fascinating stories... I decided to do my own version, distilled from the books, with added music, sound effects, and some hopefully commendable voice acting. It's a mammoth undertaking, and my hope is that in time, and with plenty of help from our community, I can adapt all three books into these audio plays. Some of you may have read the books, and this may be right up your street. If you haven't, then I thoroughly recommend them. Either way, I hope this proves an entertaining seven minutes. Of course, if you know someone who loves these books, play this segment for them, and watch their reaction. I'd like to gauge what the fans are going to make of this. Many, many thanks to Giles Thomas, Will Templeton, Sharon Shaw, and of course Liz Atkins, my actors in this scene. So this is the very first chapter of Northern Lights. Enjoy. His Dark Materials, Part 1, Northern Lights, a radio play adapted by Alex Shaw. Part 1, Oxford. Lyra and her demon moved through the darkening hall, taking care to keep to one side and out of sight of the kitchen. The three great tables that ran the length of the hall were laid already. She stopped beside the master's chair and flicked the biggest glass gently with a fingernail. The sound rang clearly through the hall. You're not taking this seriously. Behave yourself. Her demon's name was Pantalimon, and he was currently in the form of a moth, a dark brown one, so as not to show up in the darkness of the hall. They're making too much noise in the kitchen. Stop fussing. Lyra darted through the door of the retiring room. Only scholars and their guests were allowed in here, and never females. Happy now? Can we go? Don't be silly. I want to look around. She sat in one of the green leather armchairs and looked at the portraits on the walls. More old scholars, robed, bearded and gloomy. They stared out of their frames in solemn disapproval. Then she heard voices outside the door. Behind the chair! Quick! Has Lord Asriel arrived yet? It was the master. As Lyra held her breath, she saw the servant's demon, a dog like almost all servant's demons, trot in and sit quietly at his feet. No, master. I expect he'll be hungry when he arrives. Show him straight into hall, will you? Very good, master. And you've decanted some of the special Tokai for him? Yes, master, the 1898, as you ordered. His lordship is very partial to that, as I remember. Good, now leave me, please.
course I did. Now hurry out before the steward comes. Lyra darted to the oak wardrobe, opened it and hid inside, pulling the door shut, just as Ren the butler entered. We're going to have to stay here now. Why don't you listen to me? It's a good thing I didn't. We wouldn't have seen the master put poison in the wine otherwise. Pan, that was a toke he asked the butler about. They're going to kill Lord Asriel. You don't know it's poison. Of course it is. Don't you remember he made the butler leave the room before he did it? If it was innocent, it wouldn't have mattered the butler seeing. And I know there's something going on, something political. Servants have been talking about it for days. Pan, we could prevent a murder. I've never heard such nonsense. Pan, do you really think it's not poison in that wine? No, I think it is, like you do. And I think it's none of our business. And I think it would be the silliest thing you've ever done in a lifetime of silly things to interfere. It's nothing to do with us. Don't be stupid. I can't sit here and watch them give him poison. Come somewhere else, then. You're a coward, Pan. Certainly I am. May I ask what you intend to do? Are you going to leap out and snatch the glass from his trembling fingers? What did you have in mind? I don't have anything in mind, and well you know it. This is what you wanted all the time. You wanted to hide in here and watch. Why didn't I realise that before? All right, I do. Everyone knows they get up to something secret. They have a ritual or something. I just wanted to know what it was. It's none of our business. Hiding and spying is for silly children. Exactly what I knew you'd say. Now stop nagging. The butler trimmed the wick and put another log in the fire, then listened carefully at the hall door before helping himself to a handful of leaf from the smoking mill. He had hardly replaced the lid when the handle of the other door turned, making him jump nervously. Lyra tried not to laugh. The butler hastily stuffed the leaf into his pocket and turned to face the incomer. Lord Ezreal. Good evening, Ren. I arrived too late to dine. I'll wait in here. Shall I let the master know you've arrived, my lord? No harm in that. You might bring me some coffee. Very good, my lord. Lord Azriel's demon, a snow leopard, stood behind him. Are you going to show the projections in here? Yes. It'll create less fuss than moving to the lecture theatre. They'll want to see the specimens, too. I'll send for the porter in a minute. This is a bad time, Stelmaria. You should rest. Yes, yes. I should also change my clothes. There's probably some ancient etiquette that allows them to fine me a dozen bottles for coming in here dressed improperly. I should sleep for three days. The fact remains that... Thank you, Ren. Is that the Takai I can see on the table? The master ordered it decanted especially for you, my lord. There are only three dozen bottles left of the 98. All good things pass away. I'll leave the tray here beside me. Oh, and ask the porter to send up the two cases I left in the lodge, would you? Here, my lord? Yes, here, man. And I shall need a screen and a projecting lantern. Also here. Also now. Ren, you're forgetting your place. Don't question me. Just do as I tell you. Very good, my lord. No! Who's there? Lyra! What the hell are you doing? Let go of me and I'll tell you. I'll break your arm first. How dare you come in here? I've just saved your life. What did you say? The wine is poisoned. I saw Master put some powder in it. I came in just to see what the room was like. I know I shouldn't have, but I was going to go out before anyone came in, except that I heard the Master come in and got trapped. The wardrobe was the only place to hide, and I saw him put powder in the wine. If I hadn't... That'll be the porter, back in the wardrobe. If I hear the slightest noise, I'll make you wish you were dead. Come in. I've done a terrible thing. I do. You're going to have to fight here for Ragnarsson, and you ain't ready. You're tired and hungry, and your armor's... What terrible thing? 
I told him you was coming because I read it on the symbol reader. And he's desperate to be like a person and have a demon, just desperate. So I tricked him into thinking I was your demon and I was going to desert you and be his instead. But he had to fight you to make it happen. Because otherwise Yurik did, they'd never let you fight. They were just going to burn you up before you got too close. You tricked your Farragnason. Yes, I made him agree that he'd fight you instead of just killing you straight off like an outcast. And the winner would be King of Bears. I had to do that because... Balakwa? No, no. You are Lyra Silvertongue. To fight him is all I want.